For those of you who are new this year, this is the first, but those of you who are here last year, you know this is nothing new. Nothing new. All right. Um, we are finally here at the tabernacle, the heart of the tabernacle, the most intimate and holy place in the whole world. It is so important that Beth devoted two weeks to this place. This week, we're focusing on how to get into the room and what we have once we're inside. And next week, we're going to focus on the very important items that are in the Ark of the Testimony. And so today, we're going to start in Exodus chapter 26, two verses, to take us where we need to go into the Ark. <clears throat> I'm sorry, into the tabernacle. Verse 33. And you shall hang the veil from the clasps. Then you shall bring the ark of testimony in there, behind the veil. The veil shall be a divider for you between the holy place and the most holy. You shall place the mercy seat on the ark of the testimony in the most holy place. And so here is a picture of... Um, the closest thing on earth that replicated the throne room of God. Scripture tells us that God instructed Moses and the people to never make any images of God, not even his own form. So this here was the closest thing they could render as a pattern of God's heavenly dwelling place. Exodus 26.33 says that there's a veil or a curtain that will separate one place from the other. It will separate the holy place, which I, I wrote down there, holy, from the holy of holies. Um, that holy of holy room could be, uh, it's sometimes called the inner sanctuary. Sometimes it's called the most holy place uh, for the purpose of... What we're sharing today, it's going to be, I'll refer to it as the holy of holy. There are only two places in scripture where the word holy is spoken three times in a row. That's in Isaiah 6 and Revelation 4. And in both cases, it is angels who are crying out, holy, holy, holy. And both times they are saying this in the very presence of God, as they are in the throne room of heaven with him. Now, you and I, when we are serving the Lord in any kind of ministry, if it's children's ministry, if it's trackside, if it's youth, if it's women's, like the nurture tables right now, if any way that you are serving any type of ministry to the Lord, we are standing figuratively in that first chamber in the holy place. Just as the priest did when they were tending to the lampstand, when they were placing the showbread on the table, when they were lighting the incense, that was all ministry unto the Lord. They were in the holy place, and it's a wonderful, wonderful place to be. But when you go beyond the veil and you're seeking a place of true intimacy, joy being in the presence of the Lord, when you need a moment where it's just you and God, and it could be in a corporate setting, like right now, 
But if you go also into your secret place at home and you meet with just the Lord, that's when you go beyond the veil and you enter into the holy of holy, two holies. Now on this earth, we can only travel from a place of holy, singular, to a place of holy, holy. That's as far as we can go here on earth. But there will come a day, ladies. There will come a day where we will enter into a new room. And all we can do is cry holy, 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 all day long because that's how awesome his presence will be. There are two passages in Hebrew that will tell us what we have when we go beyond the veil. So we're going to start in Hebrews 6. She starts in verse 13. Um, But if you look at verse 13, it starts with, for example, for example, what? And so we, as this is typical, Beth, as you have probably discovered, you get to a verse and you're like, Beth, I need way more context. This one verse is not doing me nothing, okay? And so if we jump back just two verses, verse 11 and 12 talk about having this earnestness to cling on to the full assurance of hope so that we do not get sluggish in our faith. Do not Get sluggish in your faith. Hold on with everything that you have to the full assurance of hope. And then verse 12, imitate those who through faith and patience inherited their promise. For example, there was God's promise to Abraham. Since there was no one greater to swear by, God took an oath in his own name saying, this is quoting from Genesis, I will certainly bless you and I will multiply your descendants beyond number. And then Abraham waited patiently and he received what God had promised. Now when people take an oath, they call on someone greater than themselves to hold them to it. And without any question, that oath is binding. How many of you, when you were kids, you were like, oh, I swear by my aunt Sally's second cousin, third brother, fifth removed grave. <laughs> I promise. It's true. It didn't ha- like, I didn't do the thing that, you know, I promise, right? Like, you would say something, and you were like, oh, I would, oh, that, she, wouldn't, she would not disrespect anyone in the grave. So that, whatever she said, must be true. And so here... Verse 17, God also bound himself with an oath so that those who received the promise could be perfectly sure that he would never change his mind. So God gave both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. Jesus has already gone in there for us. He has become our eternal high priest in the order of Melchizedek. Amen. So let's take us to the point number one. 
We have an anchor behind the veil. Point number one, we have an anchor behind the veil. Remember, verse 19, this hope is strong and trustworthy for our uh, this hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. Jesus has already gone in there for us. We have Jesus as an anchor for our souls. And I know this as truth, but let me tell you, that anchor this week got buried like a sandstorm coming in. I had no idea what was about to hit me this week. And if I tell you why, ladies, you would think that it is so childish, because it really is. I just, I got upset. It was my birthday on Monday, and nothing happened. And so I got so mad, and I had all these expectations that I didn't think that I had. And when nothing happened, I was like, wow, that kind of sucked. Nothing happened. And then my heart got hard. And all these things began to, like, cloud my vision, Right, The anchor that I know I have in Jesus, the, the line that tethers me to Jesus, it was like a 1980s telephone cord, you know what I'm saying, that got stretched way too often and way too long, and it didn't have the coil. It just was this floppy thing. Um, and so it looked sad. And then on top of it, it was a whole bunch of like junk on top of it. You know, like I couldn't even find my way to the veil. And whatever veil there was, it wasn't a fine twined, is that how you say it? Twined linen. It was concrete. I was banging on heaven's door for the last couple days saying, let me in. Where are you? Why is it so silent? Why can I not hear you? Why? What do I need to confess? How do I, how do I make my hands clean and my heart pure? How do I get into this room, Lord? How? And if it wasn't for this teaching, I would have sat right there in that muck. But because I have to teach about this inner sanctuary... Like, how am I going to teach about the inner sanctuary if I'm not in the inner sanctuary? You know what I'm saying? And so I was banging on the door. And by dinner time yesterday, I had nothing. I had nothing. <sighs> but I trust in the word of God enough to believe that what he says is true. And so verse 18, it says, two un unchangeable things we have. The promise of God and the oath by which it is confirmed. Verse 18. So God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. And if you are unsure of God's promises... Start in the Gospels and read every red-letter word that Jesus spoke. There are tons of promises in there. The Gospel of John, tons of them. Start in, read chapter 14, 15, 16, 17. So many of Jesus' words at the very last moment of his life, before he was betrayed, so many of his promises are written right there. And if you were like me, and there's all sorts of junk 
in your way from entering into the inner sanctuary. <sighs> Ladies, all I was doing was navel gazing. Look at my problems, Lord. I'm justified to feel the way that I feel. I have every right to be mad, right? And all I had to do was like uh, lift my head up, look at the promises, and suddenly the concrete wall started coming down. I have no explanation except I asked Jeremy and I said, Jeremy, can you pray for me because I need to teach on this and I have, I, have, I have no emotion, you guys. I'm supposed to enter this inner sanctuary and aren't we supposed to be in awe of God when we get to that place? I had no awe. It was a concrete wall. There was nothing fantastic or magical or you know, beautiful about it. But isn't that just like also Jesus? There was nothing magnificent about him, right? But then he also is like everything. <laughs> There's nothing magnificent about this room, except that it is everything that we need. But it's sometimes so hard to get in there. Second point, in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 and 25, it says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. So this section, verse 19, starts off with an invitation. Now the author of Hebrews knew this letter was written to all the Jews who became Christians who had to like basically leave and disperse because of persecution. And so this letter was being written to all the Jews out there who were now Christian and no longer in like Jew Jerusalem, if I understand correctly. But the people reading this letter would understand very much the laws of Moses. They would understand um, basically the Hebrew Bible. They knew what the tabernacle was. They knew the holy place. They knew the most holy place. They knew what the veil meant. They knew that only one person was allowed through the veil, and it was the high priest once a year. And they knew that this high priest could die in there, right? And so this high priest had to take the incense from the altar of incense, slide it under the veil, and let the smoke of the incense fill the most holy place so that the smoke of it would cover the mercy seat, cover the Ark of the Covenant, so that the high priest would not die, okay? So the people reading this would understand when the author says, 
Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter in, they are saying you can go boldly in there now. And everyone has the invitation to come in. It's no longer just a high priest because Jesus already went in as the high priest for us. In the World Biblical Commentary, they um, write verse 19 like this. Therefore, brothers, since we have authorization for free access to the heavenly sanctuary by means of the blood of Jesus, it is by his blood and his blood alone that we can enter now into this sanctuary. The other point in this verse 20, it says, by his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. We have a new and living way, a new and living way to enter into that curtain. The Greek word for new, there's three different words. Neos means new and similar. So you buy a new pair of shoes that are similar to one that you already have. They look the same, but they're similar. They're new, though. Kainos is new and different. You buy new shoes that don't look like anything that you've had before. It's new and different. The Greek word that's used here in this for this verse is prosphetos, and it means freshly killed. Yeah. So different than the other two, right? Freshly killed. The word simply means new, fresh, or recent. Again, quoting from the World Biblical Commentary, it says that with respect to time, the new way is the way is new in the sense of recent, like it just happened. With respect to quality, it expresses or it means a freshness, like. Um, so, uh, if you go to an Asian a market in Asia, there's open markets, right? There's fish and there's meat out in the open, not in a refrigerator. And the reason is because they were butchered that morning. It's fresh, freshly killed. And so you can purchase it right there. It hasn't like bacteria hasn't started growing on it. It's freshly killed. Jesus... What he did on the cross, though 2,000 years ago, may as well have been yesterday for us. Because by his blood, he made a new way for us to enter into the sanctuary, into the inner sanctuary. And it is always fresh. It is always new. 2,000 years later, if there are still people roaming the earth, Jesus' blood is still going to do the exact same thing for them. It was his body. Did you hear that? His body was the curtain. Right at the end of Jesus' death, in Matthew 27, it's recorded in verse 50, when Jesus cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. And at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rock split. Hebrews 20 says that it was by his body. His body was the curtain that split. 
Ladies, when we are in that holy place ministering, it's a good place. We're doing something for the Lord. And if you aren't ministering in a way, then I encourage you, find how God wants you to minister. It's a good place to be. But I think a lot of people stop in that room. I don't think that Jesus died and broke his body and ripped the veil for us to stop right in front of it. Do you hear me? Like, we are his chosen race. We are his royal priesthood, right? We're called to enter in, and we're called to go even deeper. The only way for us to get in that inner chamber now, in that inner sanctuary, I know of no other way except prayer. There is no other way for us to get into the holy of holy except through prayer. It is a, it is a different dimension of reality. We can see reality in, in length and width and height and time, right? But there is another reality that is even more real than this reality. It's a reality that Jesus came from. It's a reality that Elijah, he saw. It's a reality that Elisha saw. Do you, in 2 Kings chapter 6, Elisha saw this huge, vast army of God's, God's army on the mountain. And Elisha's servant was like, uh, the Armenian army is right before us. We're going to die. And Elisha said, oh, don't worry. Uh, Lord, would you open my servant's eyes to see what I see? And the Lord opened his eyes, and he saw thousands upon thousands of angels. There is another reality, ladies. And the only way to get into that heavenly reality, to get into the holy of holy, is through prayer. And I don't know how, I don't know how to bring you there. I can't, I can't do it. But Jesus said that the doorway is narrow. And it's a sliver. It's a sliver when you enter into prayer. And it's hard to get there. Sometimes it feels like a concrete wall because there's too much junk in our life that gets in the way. I was hoping I had more time. I've had two minutes. But the Lord could work in two minutes. I'm going to ask. Lord, all these words and, and all the things that I'm saying, they're just words. They mean nothing until we can actually understand what holy of holy looks like. Jesus, would you come? Your body broke for this moment. Would you take every single one of these ladies? Don't let anyone, don't leave anyone behind. Lord, take, take everyone in this building. 
take them by the hand, Lord. In your kindness, you said that you would lead the way first. Would you come? I'm going to read a couple verses. I just want you to think about these words from Jesus. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter it are many. But for the gate is narrow, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Jesus, please lead these ladies. Take them by the hand and show them where the narrow gate is. This is a promise from Jesus. I'm telling you these things now while I'm still with you. But when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would reveal the holy of holy, the place that we find comfort and refuge. Verse 27, John chapter 14, verse 27. I am leaving you with a gift. These are God's promises to you. Remember, they don't, they don't change his promise is an oath, okay? Jesus said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. The world cannot give you the peace that the Lord gives you. Lord, I pray that as we are sitting in your presence, in the inner chamber, you are, we can see the things, the burdens that we've been carrying suddenly, I don't know, slip away because they don't enter into heaven. Those things don't go with us to heaven. And Lord, in just a couple seconds, as we come out of that inner, inner sanctuary with you, would you give us clarity right now to look at those things with perspective from heaven? Help us understand how to love that person. Help us understand how to deal with work drama. Help us to see the important things that we really should keep our eyes on. Strip away the things that have been burdening us and you promised us peace, Lord, a peace that comes from heaven. Would you give us that peace and let it rule in our heart? And would we keep chasing back to this inner sanctuary to be with you? We are your temple body. And you said that my father's house will be a house of prayer. Would we be a people who pray? 
because that is why your body broke, to rip open that veil so that we may enter in to this holy of holy place with you. Thank you, Jesus.